The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate they've joined us for the ride. This is episode 35, live on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Pre-recording just a little bit earlier on Monday, so hopefully Christopher doesn't get any silly ideas between now and when this goes live later in the day. We'll put the full video up on our YouTube, Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available as a wherever you get your podcast as well, whether it be Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever it should be there. Give the show that illustrious five-star review on our podcast and Spotify. It helps the show more than you think it does. At Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, alongside Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are our personal Twitter handles to follow as well. Nick, well, the Rangers won five in a row, and they got some new toys in the lineup. How about that? Hey, man, it's very nice when... So at least we know the GM and coach were not just completely oblivious. They were just kind of waiting for the right moment to address the very obvious needs. I mean, we've spent the better part of the entire season saying they need one more top six forward and they need a better sixth defenseman. They did both of those things. They did it at a reasonable cost. A late first round pick, a third round pick, a player who's not going to be on your team anymore and Sammy Blay, who was struggling to stay in the lineup, and a prospect in Hunter Skinner who might be an NHL guy, but he's more likely an AHL guy. The Rangers did well here. Not They didn't give up a ton. They addressed two positions of need in one trade. You could still argue they maybe need to add one more forward to this group, and then you're really set. But I'm pretty content. I'm very happy it's not Patrick Kane. I'm very glad they didn't give up a ton for a Timo Meyer type where it would have been great to have him for one playoff run. But beyond that, you wouldn't have been able to afford him or you would have had to get rid of good guys to keep him beyond this season. So this is about as good as it's going to get for the situation the Rangers were in. I love this move for the Rangers. I think I think this is great because you give up a, a first round pick and it's going to be whichever one is worse between theirs or Dallas's. So that's going to be a, a late first round pick as is a conditional fourth Hunter Skinner, who's 21 years old and couldn't even play in the AHL, had to be sent down to the ECHL. So I, I kind of don't know what his NHL perspective is going to be. But if you're 21 and you can't hang in the A, then it doesn't look like that's going to be a, a long NHL career. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Hunter Skinner goes on and has a great career, but as as, as it stands right now, doesn't look like it's it, it, there's a great prognosis for, for him as, a, as an NHL. So with that in mind, you give up things that you don't really need, and you get two pieces that you've desperately needed. Right, you get you get Nico Mikola, who did not have a, a tremendous first game against the Kraken, but I was there, and let me tell you something: two of the three penalties that, that was called against him were complete nonsense. So I, I would I would take that with a grain of salt. But he is worlds better than Ben Harper. 
not saying a whole lot because Ben Harper is not an NHLer. So actually playing an NHLer with Brayden Schneider should help out tremendously. And Vladimir Tarasenko, who scored in his debut uh, against Seattle. Panarin loves the guy. This is somebody that makes the Rangers so much more dangerous. On paper, on the ice, now you have another weapon to be worried about if you're if you're playing this team. When before the Tarasenko trade, you would have you know Goudreau and VC and those guys on the top line, and you can and you can kind of okay. Well, we can, we have to worry about Panarin. Have to worry about Zabinajad. We don't really have to worry about whoever's on the right side of those guys. Now you do. Because now there's so much more leeway for Gallant to be like, okay, well, we could put Kreider there, we could put Tarasenko there, we could put... There's so many different combinations now that Gallant could put out on the ice that makes this team dangerous. And that is one of the best things about this trade is you didn't really give up a whole lot for him or at least anything that you that you really needed. Like Brendan Offman, still a Ranger. Like there's, there's a lot of names that were rumored to be moved or maybe for Timo Meyer for somebody else. They all stayed, and the Rangers got what they wanted, what they needed, and they didn't give up a whole lot to get them. A plus. Yeah, uh, another part of this that's interesting now is for two deadlines in a row now, we have seen the Rangers prioritize a shoot-first volume guy. Last year was Vetrano, whose only role when he was on the ice was shoot the puck whenever you have it. And that's what Tarasenko's role is going to be here. Let it rip. He's not the player he was a couple of years ago. He's not going to be a 40-goal guy. He doesn't drive offense on his own. But as a pure volume shooter, there are a lot a lot of guys you could have done worse in acquiring than Tarasenko, whose only job is going to be to be shooting. Whether he's with Zbigniewicz, whether he's with Panarin, however they end up shaking these lines out, maybe they go out and get somebody else to be that other top six wing. That would require a little bit more money probably. But this deal makes the team better as a whole because i said it last week the day they traded for him this makes the rest of your lineup better because you can play Gaudreau and vz further down in your lineup which makes those lines better the rangers right now in the regular season more often than not they're going to have the better team than most of the teams they play against and then when it comes to the playoffs then you start worrying about the margins and that's where having that depth of having a vz on your third line a Gaudreau on your fourth line versus in your top six is going to make a world of difference that's one of the things that i really like about this trade is it's deepening the lineup and making the whole team better and it made the third pair better too which we the third pair hung on for dear life a lot of december and january while the rangers have been on this nice heater i think they're like 24 and 4 or something like that since early december a lot of that was 950 save percentage with the third pair on the ice. Like, yeah, they don't give up a ton of quality chances, but they give up a ton of total chances. Now you can kind of settle that down a little bit, and you can really start to see what this team could be. Uh, the game against Seattle really reminded me of a game against Pittsburgh last year in the regular season on a Friday, where in the first 10 minutes of the game, it was over. The Rangers scored two goals in the first nine minutes of the game, and they went downhill on them the entire game, kept chipping away, kept being aggressive. And yeah, Seattle got it back in that game towards the end with some garbage time offense. But you see what the Rangers can be with a better equipped lineup now. And you, you start to see the picture come a little more into focus of what they can be. And just for argument's sake, I mean, they're only six back of Carolina with third, with 29 games to go. That's doable. Legitimately now with the group they have in place, they have to make up a six-point gap in 29 games. That is doable. 
No, it's a it's a great point. And one of the things that I want to reiterate that you said is by acquiring Tarasenko, you not only make your top line better or your top six better. Now, instead of moving Goudreau and VC to the top line and saying, hey, go produce offense, you can you can now slot them in, in into the bottom six where they shine. That's where this that's where they're supposed to be. VC's having a tremendous season. Barkley Goudreau is supposed to be in your bottom six. That's where he is great at his job. If you put him on the top line and he struggles, gee, I wonder why he's struggling, because he's not a top six player, but he's great in the bottom six. Now by acquiring Tarasenko, you are not forcing bottom six players to play above their means and now when you do that you have Tarasenko top six and now that that line is dangerous now those t- six forwards are dangerous but also your bottom six are dangerous because everybody is playing where they're supposed to be and the one thing also that the Rangers have gotten lucky this year in is injuries Zerbenajet hasn't been out for four months Kreider Not hasn't been desk, out for Kreider ha- I, I listen Kreider hasn't been out for six weeks like to this point, to this point, knock on wood, like, like, right, like, Rangers have gotten lucky to this point in terms of injuries. So when we we are watching them play at full strength and watching how they've been playing these last two games against Carolina, they got hammered in that second period. But they, one of the things that made that game kind of stand out to me was the fact that they like just kept chipping away. They didn't stand back and let let Carolina just run them over and that would like which they could have done and they've done earlier on in the season where you would see that you know it's a back to back Carolina's a good team you can make the case that they were tired this and that and oh you just chalk that up as an L and you move on they didn't do that late in that second period Panarin tied the game up and then that was it the Rangers kind of took over from there, and that was the entire game. Halak played very well, and you have to give credit to Yarrow Halak. Both of those goals weren't on him. Every other shot that he needed to stop, he stopped. He had a tremendous game for the Rangers, and he has, I think he's won like seven games in a row for the Rangers. Yeah. Like he, he has been playing very well. The start of the season did not go well for him. We talked about that, but now he's he's really solidified himself as the backup for this team. And the Rangers really, they did not give up. And that is one of the, the prime highlights of that whole game. Yeah, Panarin had four goals and that was great and all these things. But the Rangers continued to play their game and they played it well. They didn't give up and then they won that game. And that was that's one of the, the, the key things to look out for moving forward going into deep February and March and all these things is how are the Rangers facing adversity and how are they fighting against it? They saw it. They had it against Carolina and they fought it and they won. And that's good. It's not just winning. It's how you win. Because the way the way we have kind of generally looked at this is, is this translatable? Is what you're doing every game, can you carry something over from that and keep building something on it consistently? Can you keep building these good habits over the course of a season? And you saw Panarin jokingly say after the game against against um, Carolina, or I forget if it was against Carolina or Seattle, where they were like, yeah, they kind of got back in the game there at the end. Well, he's like, that's that's how we are. We're the Rangers. That, it was against it's Seattle, never yeah. Yeah, it's never easy. Well, I mean, yes, but at the same time, like, could we not? Could we just put the game (laughs) away? Can we just put the game away as opposed to making everybody pucker a little bit there towards the end? Uh, The game against Calgary, letting them get that extra goal towards the end where you kind of had to, okay, this game isn't over. We're not just going to wait for Igor to shoot on the empty net kind of deal. Like, 
good good week last week. You take care of Calgary, who's a borderline playoff team. You take care of Seattle, who's a playoff team. You take care of Carolina, who's a playoff team. You you take care of Vancouver. Granted, they probably should have beat Vancouver a little cleaner, but yeah. you win your games. At the end, of, you keep winning. There's not a lot to complain about. Sure, there are little things you'd like to clean up. That's the thing here. It's not just about winning. It's cleaning up the mistakes building on good habits and trying to find something to really get into a good groove here in the second half. And that's another part of the trade that I think we should mention here is they did this nice and early. So they've got plenty of time to figure out who they want to play Tarasenko with down the stretch. I do think that's an underrated aspect of getting this done a month ahead of the deadline is now they've got a good three weeks to know if we want to play Tarasenko with Zbigniew, with Trocek, with Panarin, without Panarin, with Kreider, whatever. And then you can kind of say, Hey, maybe we need one more forward in here come deadline day and they'll have a little bit more cap space come deadline day because of the salary accrual of only carrying 22 players. But for all intents and purposes, that's about as good a week as you're going to have in the NHL. I mean, when you win every game, it's it's tough to, it's tough to say otherwise. One of, the, one of the things that also to keep in mind when you trade for a player like Tarasenko early, I understand the thought process of waiting till the deadline because you, you accrue more cap and all these things. But one of the things that, that can go wrong by waiting that the player that you want sometimes gets injured. If yeah. if if Tarasenko continued to play in St. Louis and then, you know, in two weeks he gets hit in the along the boards or whatever in a play that would have happened in St. Louis or wouldn't have happened in New York, and then he gets injured. Well, now what do you do? Right? When you when you trade for a player early, sometimes you unknowingly mitigate that kind of issue from happening. So the Rangers, as you mentioned, they they did this early just to see, okay, we have Tarasenko, we have uh, Mikola, what else do we need in order to make this run go all the way? Because this, because right now, and we we texted a little bit back and forth early in the week, and this is going to be difficult. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. I don't have any, you know, genius solutions to this. The Rangers do still have another first-round pick to use this season. Do they trade it? Do they what do they use it for? Because if if the, the thought process is is that this is our window right now and we have to go all in or at least as as all in as we feel like we can go, do we then move that first round pick? But you still have to make the cap work. You have to make all these things work. And that's really very complicated when you have all these RFAs and not a whole lot of cap space to work with unless you move some money out. So it, it all depends on how risky and how frisky Christopher Jury wants to be. Because if he really wants to roll the dice and he could get spicy and he could do all these things, or he can see this lineup and go, okay, well, we have this team. Maybe, maybe a depth forward. Maybe Tyler Mott returns because that's been rumored for months and months now. What if, if Tyler Mott comes back and, and is, that, is that the roster that we want? Is that the, the group that wins the cup? Maybe Jury goes, we need somebody better than that. And he goes and he trades that first round pick for somebody 50% retained. And he gets a third team involved. And he wants to get all these, you know, he wants to be, he wants to be weird with it. And it's really right now, all it comes down to is what Chris Drury sees in this team and how how weird he wants to get at the deadline. 
I think that first round pick is going to end up getting saved. And I think you're going to see if they make another trade, it's going to be trading Kraftsov for a mid-round pick and then using that mid-round pick for whatever you're, whatever forward defenseman, whatever you're thinking. Because they don't have any, they only have Colorado second this year because they traded their second this year, last year. And they, I don't think there's a world in which they trade that other one unless something weird comes available that they weren't expecting. Because like you said, they would have to get a third team involved to add anybody with substantial salary. Like even if you were to add somebody who's making 5 million a year, they'd only, they're only going to have about one and a half million, 1.3 million of cap space left on deadline day based on the roster they're carrying right now. So they definitely would need a third team involved, which is, I don't know if anybody making that much money would be worth trading a first round pick for that you wouldn't be able to keep beyond this year so i don't see that but like we were saying during the week i think krasov is almost certainly getting traded well before. he he asked for a trade earlier today reportedly i why i put that out there that that krasov is asking for a trade yeah and i can't blame what, him i cannot yeah. blame him yeah no well don't worry we'll do picking nets and we'll get our 30 yeah. seconds each to talk about this but for the most part a good week uh one point i wanted to make on this before we talk a little bit more about the games from last week and then kind of move along here they take they still haven't exactly found what their identity is. I think you saw glimmers of it this past week because they actually had quality forwards to play with each other. I think I I got annoyed when Gallant juggled the lines 10 minutes into the Carolina game, even though they were playing relatively fine. I know they were losing at that point in the game, but to just juggle the lines for no real reason, it worked, granted, but for the love of God, man, let these guys play with each other and figure it out. They have one line combination with more than 150 minutes of five on five this year. We are in February. I do not understand why he cannot find a top nine that he works. He likes the fourth line. I understand they've had like eight different guys for those three spots. So it's constantly rotating. That makes sense. But for the love of God, man, keep the lines consistent. None of these guys have a feel for playing with each other. I'm glad that they've settled on keeping the kid line together. That works. Now it's a matter of figuring out what you want to do with Kreider, Tarasenko, Panarin, Zbigniewicz, and Trocek. That's really all the next month is going to be about, is figuring what configuration of those guys you like with each other. If you want to play VZ with them, if you want to play Gaudreau with one of them, whatever you want to do. I, I know I was reading in Staples column this morning that they want to play Gaudreau on the wing, not at center. They, For whatever reason, they're going to play they like playing Lecision at center and having Gaudreau where they can play him anywhere, whereas if Gaudreau's playing center, he can only be the fourth line center. That's part of why they like having Lecision there, who we're going to make fun of at some point later in right. this episode, but that's the logic of why they got why they waiver claim decision is he is good on faceoffs. That way they can play Gaudreau anywhere in the lineup, depending on the game situation. Okay, so then go get a better fourth line setter. How about that? I completely I, agree with you. I completely agree. With I you. I why did the Rangers always insist on having one player on their team? That is only there to get cardio. I don't. I don't know why. The out in Memorial Scholarship. That's right. On. That's right. That's right. They they absolutely love nothing more than having at least one roster player on this team who gets consistent minutes, who does absolutely nothing. I don't know what their <laughs> infatuation with this kind of player is. You got Brett Howden. You had Sammy Blay, and now you have Jake Lashijan, who do absolutely nothing, and yet they play every game. They 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 use up a roster spot for reasons. End of sentence. Like I don't know. I don't know what Jake Lashijan does. I don't know. Because what exactly would you say you do here? 
I don't I don't know what he's here for. Like if if his whole thing is he's gonna get seventy minutes of ice time and maybe win a face off, okay, but like you know there's there's more to hockey than, than winning faceoffs. Yes? I, See, I don't my ideal my ideal solution to this problem would be he becomes the thirteenth forward, they trade for another wing, and Gaudreau yeah. just is the fourth line center. I think everybody's in agreement that would be the optimal deployment. There, there are no viable defenses of having Lishizan in the lineup beyond the GM and the coach think he should be in the lineup. And that's that's the blanket appeal to authority, whatever you want to call it. That that's the only reason Lishizan's in the lineup. They like him better. That's really it. There, there is no like yeah. hockey reason. Well, Lecision is, I think, twenty three years old, and pretty much consensus the worst player in the NHL over the last two years. Like worse than any of the guys the Rangers have played. But he's here, and we're gonna have to figure it out. I mean, they got him for the reason I just said. At least that's what Staples said in his column that they want to be able to play Goudreau anywhere in the lineup. Whereas if they don't have decision then they need a fourth line center which limits what their roster flexibility is but i digress on then that go point. get one go yeah, get one that's better than jake because listen like if if the only thing you're good at is winning face-offs then an upgrade is there to be had because there's yeah. there's a bunch of bottom six centers that can win face-offs but also contribute to the team because jake that's if 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 that's his calling card is winning faceoffs, then okay, be the thirteenth forward and teach the other centers how to win a faceoff. Like that's that's what you're there for. If you can't do anything else, and it's it's really funny because we talk about Sammy Blay for a second. Like it's really funny how, of course, the he zero goals in fifty four games as a Ranger. First game back in St. Louis, my guy jumps out of the box, gets a breakaway, and scores a goal. I mean, you just the script writers were so obvious. They were so obvious. I mean, come on, man. At least make us wait a game or two. It was funny because he hit a post earlier on in the game. And I got texts from Blues fans saying, oh, look, Sammy Blay just hit a post. Can you believe it? I'm like, yeah, I definitely can believe that. And then later on in the game, he scored a goal. I'm like, well, the script writers just. Do you believe in miracles, Andrew? Yeah, do you believe I, in I miracles? I guess I do. Yeah, well, he, we didn't believe in him when he was here. And But as soon as he got in St. Louis, I, he started believing them again because as Right after the trade, of course, of course, I, it was the most obvious thing to in existence. So play was going to score his return to St. Louis. I, you can't, you can't. I mean, the the script writes itself, but that was it was a little bit too obvious there. I see what you're doing. Okay, so we can use this as a natural segue into the new segment I want to introduce called Picking Nits, where every week. We will each get 30 seconds to blanket complain about something. And the reason we are calling it Picking Nits is we understand that the Rangers are on a very nice run here since early December. We understand they've won five in a row. The Rangers' goal this year is to win the Stanley Cup. You win a Stanley Cup on the margins. You need to complain about the Nits in February because in May, the Nits aren't going to be Nits. They are going to be concrete problems with your team. You think about what happened in that series against Tampa Bay where once the offense dried up from the kid line, nobody else could score. The fourth line caved in every single time it was on the ice. Right now, everything is great. Three months from now, you're playing a Boston, you're playing a Tampa, probably not. You're playing a Toronto, probably not. You're playing one of those teams <laughs> well, that is... You're definitely not playing Toronto, because you're not playing Toronto in the first round. So and the Rangers don't have to worry about the Leafs. <laughs> Until the Leafs win a series, I'm not worried about the Leafs. That's in the right. Playoffs. 
You're, but, you're, especially the last couple of years, like I, I, I've been thinking like, this is, this is the year, this is the year Toronto finally wins a playoff series, especially like last season. Yeah. Last season, I was like, this is, this has to be it. Yeah. This is such, this is such a good team. The lightning aren't very scary. Like that was my thought process. And then, then the lightning came back in seven and then beat the Rangers and then lost in the final. So. Okay. My 30 seconds starts now. Very simple. I need one person on the internet who has numbers in their handle to tell me what Jake LeCision is better than Vitaly Krasovac. That's all I need. <laughs> I am going to clip this. I am going to put this on Twitter and say in the replies, yeah. tell me what Jake LeCision is better than Vitaly Krasovac. And you don't get to say, well, he's in. Jimmy VZ is in for Krasov. No, he's not. No. The best version of this lineup with the forwards they have is Kraftsov on that line with Kreider and uh, with Kreider and Trocek, and then playing VZ on the fourth line with Gaudreau. That is the best version of this lineup that they have. They could have a significantly deeper lineup, but they are actively choosing not to for whatever reason. Okay, I yield my last fifteen seconds. Andrew, go ahead. I was at the game against the Kraken, and let me tell you something. Kraftsov did a really good job in the in the top six. He didn't score. But like he did everything else that the Rangers want him to do. And now Gallant is like, nah, I'd rather Jake LeCision in the lineup than Vitaly Kraftsoff for reasons that I don't really understand what they are, but here they are. And and why? I, I don't understand it. I I this this doesn't make any sense to me. And now SNY is reporting that Kraftsoff wants out. I cannot blame this guy at all. He did everything that the Rangers wanted him to do. He's he's played so well, and yet they're not doing it and he wants out. I can't blame him. Nicely done, right against the wire. Very nicely done, Andrew. There you go. That's a man. We're, who works we're, we're in professionals, radio. Nick. We. That's we, a man who works in do. radio and is always looking at the clock. <laughs> Listen, when when you when you handle high stress situations like like I do at work and like have you've done for for years and years as well, we 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 know how to we know how to we know how to wrap right before the end of a segment here. So we we got it. All right. So this upcoming week. The Western Canada trip has never been kind to the Rangers. I don't think ever in my life. Uh, there was that one year, I think it was 2019, where they made 34-year-old Henrik Lundqvist have 50 saves in consecutive games against like the <laughs> Oilers and the Canucks or the Oilers and the Flames. And they won both of those games but got dramatically outplayed. But Hank said, okay, I'll do this one more time for you guys just yeah. for the road. I am a little worried about the trips to Calgary and the trip to Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, they should handle Vancouver. Uh, then again, Vancouver also dummied the Islanders, which was a very weird game on Thursday night. Yeah. That was a, that was a weird one, but this Rogan did not look good in that game either. Which no, he we, didn't. If, if he, if he played the way that he normally does, the Islanders win, win that, that game. game. It was, I, it was more so that Sorokin didn't have a great game at Canuck, that the Canucks won that, as opposed to the Canucks just being the better team. If yeah. Sorokin just has a normal night, the Islanders win that one. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock on this one. But they, they're a dangerous team. If you give them space, they will, they will pounce on it. Yeah, Vancouver's one of those teams that's playing with absolutely nothing to lose, so they're just going to let it rip. And that, and whatever you want to say about Tockett and whatever, he's trying to set up what the team is going to look like next year with good, good, good results this year. But they've got 
they've got what? They've got Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg. Realistically, you want to take six out of those eight. Uh, you're better than Edmonton. You're better than Calgary. You're better than Vancouver. Winnipeg, you're more talented then, but you could argue Winnipeg can goalie you just the way you could goalie them. That'll be a difficult game because Winnipeg's been very good defensively. Hellebuck is having a very nice come bounce back season. Last year, he wasn't great. The year before, he was great. Hellebuck's one of those every other year goalies. So now we're kind of at the point now where it, it's time to be a little bit greedy and start worrying a little bit about playoff spots here because the next team back in the standings is Washington, who's eight points back of you. And Washington has played two more games than you. You have two games. They've also haven't looked good. They've been five and five in their past 10. They've been, it's a very strange team because they go out to Boston. uh, 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 They play the Bruins, a team that does not lose at home, period, let alone in regulation. And the Washington Capitals go to Boston and beat them in regulation. And then they go home, play David Quinn's San Jose Sharks and get dumpstered by the Sharks. Very strange team. I don't understand. Like, I don't really know how to read them, but they've been having injury issues all season. So they're, they've been kind of just holding water. They, they, they've been kind of just just treading water and and just surviving for now, hoping that everybody comes back and they go on this run. But the, so far, they've kind of been a, 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 a streaky team. Yeah, because the bigger point here is it's time to start worrying about where you are going to be in the playoffs. And if you're properly situated in the first part of the show, we talked about, you know, do they still need anything else? This month will go a long way in determining if they go out and add one more guy. But you really, if you're going to play the Devils in the first round, you really want home ice because that will help. Even though Gallant doesn't do the hard matching that you probably should in the playoffs of looking for favorable matchups, using last change to your advantage, whatever. You want home ice against the Devils. You would like to not play the Devils at all. In all honesty, I'd rather play Carolina than the Devils because the Rangers historically have always played Carolina pretty well. I mean, that goes back to Elaine Vigneault. That goes back to Tortorella. The Rangers always have historically played the the, uh, the Hurricanes pretty well because of the style the Hurricanes play. They're a volume team, and the Rangers are pretty well adapted to play against a volume team because the Rangers' best guys can say, okay, we're better than you, and that's typically what ends up happening they play Carolina. The thing about these few these few uh, playoff spots that we have left here is you take a look at the wild card. You, we talked about Washington. Pittsburgh just got embarrassed in LA. They got shut out. It was 6 nothing. Dustin Brown. I don't know why. They, this was a very weird thing the NHL did. They brought out the Stanley Cup and let Dustin Brown lift it one more time. That was a weird yeah. thing the NHL did. Listen, you're not Mario. You're not Wayne... Uh, I get it. You want to, I get it. You won two cups and the LA loves you and all that. Put the cup away. I like that was, that was a weird decision by the NHL to make. But in any case, the, the penguins got dumpstered by the LA Kings. It was six, nothing. It was never particularly close. The Islanders lost two games in a row that they really should have won both in lane Lambert. Very much unhappy with the team. He was very vocal about it. During the game, after the game, and uh, I've read reports in practice that he's been very, very vocal in practice this morning as well. So the Islanders are kind of losing it right now. Bo, Bo, Bo Horvat's playing well, but the team isn't. And then they you need got more Flo- than that. Yeah, they they, they definitely do. Florida's right behind them, a, a team that could either destroy you or Bobrovsky wouldn't be able to stop a beach ball and you win nine to four. And then you got Buffalo, a team that is Tage. End of sentence. So. 
realistically, right now, the Rangers are, are solidifying their playoff positioning, especially when they keep winning. I mean, when you win five in a row and you won seven, seven in your past ten and you're continuing to accrue as many points as you possibly can, that's what good teams do. And that is how the Rangers are more and more likely to make uh, the playoffs easier and easier with each passing day. But now it's not good enough because now not only is should your goal be to make the playoffs, it is, okay, let's get home ice. And as you mentioned, the Devils are, are a team that can beat you at any point in time, and that's a, it's a really scary matchup. The one thing I will say about the Devils, though, for some reason, is that like they can't really win at home. They like they yeah. they will destroy anybody away from New Jersey. But they but if they're playing in New Jersey, they kind of play like very meh. So yeah. maybe maybe if you want to play New Jersey, I like, I don't know. We're we're spl- we're one, we're splitting hairs and two. Playoffs are very much different than than the regular season, so all these all these stats that are meaningful now mean absolutely nothing come April. But the Rangers are solidifying their spot in the playoffs in the dance with each passing day. Now it's just a matter of okay, we have to keep winning so that we can position ourselves to potentially get home you know home ice advantage and also play somebody in the first round that we know we can beat. So that we don't have to sweat and panic in a seven-game slog of a series just to move on and play somebody else in the round two. The Rangers did that a lot of times during the Lundqvist era, where they would get to the first round and then just play a seven-game slog. And they get to the second round, and they play a seven-game slog. And then by the time they get to the conference finals, they are exhausted. They need to be able to close that series better and faster and the more you win the higher chance you're likely to do to do that yeah no that's the thing here this is entirely being greedy this is entirely splitting hairs this is entirely nitpicking but ideally if you could play washington or pittsburgh or the islanders or the panthers or the sabers in the first round you would much rather do that than playing the devils just simply put you much rather would do that it's a more favorable matchup Okay, we'll do three stars. We'll talk about the games this week, and then we'll get out of here. The three stars this week, uh, I went a little bit off the board with one of mine, but Andrew's got the three conventional ones you would expect. So I'll let you go yeah. first, Andrew. Philip Heedle, I mean, he's been he's been great. He's, he's had a couple of timely goals. He's looked really good on the ice. Eye test, analytics, you name it. Philip Heedle has been a very good player for the Rangers this week. Panarin, four goals. Kind of tough to for me to not put him in there. I mean, Panarin was essentially the reason the Rangers won that game. And when you when you score four of the six goals and you look as good as you do, you get a star. And also, he looked good with Tarasenko, who's my other star of the week. Tarasenko scored like three minutes into his debut against Seattle. I had front row seats to that game. That was a very fun experience to be a part of. And and seeing that go live and seeing how the, the Garden reacted to Tarasenko. And he... Seems to love it here. The fans seem to love it here. And so far, the the the, the Panera and Tarasenko duo have worked out well. So those are my three stars. Yeah, I've got Hedo for the same exact reason. He's just letting it rip. He He's not hesitating. He's not deferring. The puck's on his stick in a shooting position. He's going to let it rip. Sammy Blaze, greatest contribution to the Rangers, was getting traded last week. We <laughs> hardly knew you. We greatly appreciate you for your service. Yeah. We thank you for Tarasenko and Mikola. Best of luck in St. Louis. Uh very, very glad. One less thing to complain about. Sure. And I'm go. And lastly, I'm going with Zvinijad. Had a five goal week last week. Consistently, man, Zvinijad's pot in two or three goals pretty much every single week of the entire season. You do that for six months, you're going to end up with 40, 45 goals. That's pretty good. I mean, there was a point in time where the Rangers couldn't get 
60 points out of their leading goal scorer. Like the year they went to the conference, the year they went to uh, the conference finals and they won the president's trophy, their leading point together was 67. That was Zuccarello. The year they went to the cup final in against LA, I think it was 63 and it was Richards and Zuccarello tied. So we've come a long way from the Rangers trying to piecemeal their offense t- together through a depth means. Whereas now you've got legitimately four or five guys who can all flirt with 70 to 80 points. It's a lot of fun to watch. It's definitely yeah. when you when you have more pieces of your offense for other teams to worry about, that inherently makes you a much more dangerous team because teams cannot cheat to one player and kind of sag off everybody else because those other players aren't as good, so they're not big threats to score or produce anything offensively. When you have, especially on the power play now with Tarasenko and now you can move things around, when you have a lot of different pieces on on the ice at the same time that are equally as dangerous to score, other teams have to panic because now they have to be on top of every single player on the ice at all times. And that's a lot more draining than only needing to worry about one or two or maybe even three people three players on, on on the at a given time. When you have five players that are all capable of scoring goals and and providing that crisp pass or that or that move that that creates space for themselves, that's a dangerous lineup to play against. And when you have a team right now like the Rangers that are that are primed hopefully I would I would think so for at least at least a decent at least a decent run in the playoffs. It, this is a scary team to play against when you have so many offensive pieces and even pieces on the blue line with Adam Fox and and Keandre Miller and occasionally Truba when he decides to do things that are positive offensively. This is a scary team to to face off against. You're you in the scouting report. You go okay. We have this player and that player and this player and also that player, but also this player and, and and this one and this one and this one to all worry about. That's scary. When, when you have to defend every, all of these names at the same time, teams are worried about that. All right. Last thing I want to get in before we get out of here. Very glad they got Lafreniere going. Uh, it took yep. him a while. It, it granted you can you can argue the merits of some of the arguments that people the team had about what they were doing with him, but it's good they've got him going. They need three lines that are able to contribute offensively if they are going to go as far as they would like to go this year. And finding a way to get him, Kako, and Heedle all going at the same time imperative to any success they're going to have this year. You cannot go deep in the playoffs with offense from less than three lines. It's that simple. You need at least two to get to that second round. You need three at least to get to that conference final. And it's really important that now that they've got that going, do not break it up just to try and get other lines going. You can have, you're trying to get all three things going at one time. You're trying to spin three plates at once. Just because you got one going now, don't take that plate off to start the other one spinning again. It's really important now that they keep the lines consistent and they find a way to make it work. They know what works to some degree. Now it's a matter of maximizing what you have. The thing about the Tarasenko trade as well, really quickly, is that by by having him in the top six, you no longer have to break up the kid line yeah. to, to get those players up in the top six to try to force some kind of offense. When you have the third line be the kid line that, for all intents and purposes, last few weeks have looked incredible. They've looked yeah. really solid on both ends of the ice. They're creating chances for themselves. They're not giving up a whole lot. Like they, This is a really solid line. When you have that line as your third line, that's 
that's really scary because now your top six is solid. You can keep the kid line as is. You don't have to mix people around to force offense. You have that be your third line. And now you have people on the fourth line like Goudreau and, and VC and those guys that are dangerous against other teams' fourth lines. This is uh, hopefully, you know, Goudreau and VC stay on the fourth line because that's where they're best currently positioned to be. Having that as your fourth line, and hopefully they bring in a better center than Jake LeCision, and that that could that could really round out the fourth line. That is one of the best fourth lines going in in any on any team right now. They are dangerous on offense. They can actually do things, and they're not a liability defensively. That is a really solid fourth line to have on your team. So by by having Tarasenko and by moving these things around, you don't have to force pieces where they don't need to be and the and the whole puzzle piece in and of itself is starting to form and you don't have to super glue pieces that don't belong in and jam it into one of the holes to try to make it work you can just make it all seamless and that is one of the the beautiful things about this trade yeah i'm very happy man i was a little worried going into the deadline they would do the easy thing trade for kane and as you could tell by his comments he thought he was getting traded to the rangers so i'm very glad they didn't take the easy decision they made one that worked out a little bit better because they got a defenseman in the trade too everything is set up well for them here it's a matter of staying healthy staying consistent and just don't overcomplicate things the, the talents here this is one of if not the most talented rangers teams of my life of my conscious existence so let's keep it going here uh that'll do it for this week's show we will see you guys next week make sure you are following along on whatever podcast platform you like to use leave the show a five-star review if you're on apple Podcasts or spotify if you're on youtube make sure you're subscribing join us in the comments been throwing polls up on youtube every now and then too Make sure you're following the show's socials on Twitter and Instagram at Liberty Blue Pod. Andrew and I's personals, uh, Chelney Andrew, C H E L N E Y Andrew, and then mine, Nick Zararis, Nick Z A R A R I S. Make sure you're following those. Rangers aren't in action until Wednesday. The West Coast swing, truly for the sickos. Only the lunatics are staying up when they have work the next morning for games that start That's at That's right. So we'll be live tweeting them because we're psychos. Yes, correct, correct. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Later.